0: I find it funny that uh, the song that we sing right before I get up to preach is at the top of my lungs, when uh, this week I've been at the bottom of my lungs with, uh, with a sickness. But God is good. And don't you just want to praise Him? Don't you want to sing songs of praise to our Lord and Savior at the top of your lungs? Don't you love those moments that usually happen in the car or, uh, you know, maybe in the shower? Sorry for giving you that mental image. But uh, when we sing at the top of our lungs to our mighty Savior and really that's what all of our sermons are about about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ amen and uh, that's where we're going this morning we're continuing on in Luke and I know you're about to flip your Bibles open to Luke and you're welcome to go to Luke 10 if you want that's where we're gonna be but as, as the Lord often does as I was coming into service this morning, and we were worshiping, God drew my heart to another passage to kind of bring us into Luke ten this morning, and it's in Second Corinthians. So, if you want to open there, you can Second Corinthians chapter five. And this is off notes, so uh, we got to add another ten minutes to uh, the sermon there. Um, but but in Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, particularly in verses seventeen and following. We see the description of who we are now in christ jesus okay and i think that this is going to be really important as we look back at luke 10 and we see the 72 that are going to be sent out by christ and really what we're going to see with the 72 sent out by christ is that they were called upon jesus to have certain characteristics and i want to call them today kingdom characteristics okay and we today, when we look at the 72 in just a moment, when we're going to look at them, I want to read into the instructions that Jesus gives to the 72 the same type of instructions for us today and what kind of attitude, what type of characteristics that we're supposed to take on as we go into the world. Because my friends, we are called to go into the world. So look with me at Second, Second Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm just going to actually start here in verse 16, and we'll go down to verse 21. And I think you'll catch why the Lord swept my heart to this verse to start us out with. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you guys could finish it. He is a new creation. But I love it. It goes on. Not not just that we're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, if he just stopped there, we'd be really excited and be like, hey, we're new creatures in Christ. That sounds fun. That sounds exciting. I'm really excited about that. I mean, you know, I'm getting older every year and things just aren't working like they used to. And so I love new things. I love the idea of being made new, right? I hope you love the idea of being made new, but Christ doesn't stop there. He continues and he gives us more through the pen of Paul in 2 Corinthians. Let's let's keep reading here in verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This new identity, this new identity that we have received by the blood of Jesus gives us a new direction it gives us a new new marching orders a new pace a new rhythm and again i want you to link this there's a reason i'm going here i want you to link this to where we're about to go with the 72 and the fact that jesus is inaugurating his kingdom ministry and he did that with the disciples you remember we we studied not long ago and and trust me i know we've all slept by by that point we probably forgot a little bit but Jesus sent out the 12, did he not? Do you remember that? He sent out the 12, and he's, he's calling them to a new kingdom agenda, a new kingdom ministry. And he calls us to this same thing, a ministry of reconciliation. We see that in verse 18 there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So we're ministers of reconciliation, not just that we're called to go and to make peace with others. But we're called to go and we're called to proclaim that Christ, that God has made peace with man. Amen? God has made peace with man. Is that me fumbling? Okay, I didn't know if that was me kind of rocking and rolling there, if y'all are catching some static. Is that me, Nathan? Okay, I don't know why I'm doing that, so... (laughs) Y'all might just have to hang in. It might be like a Peter on the boat kind of experience, walking out on the sea. So just don't let that distract you, okay? I'm going to do everything I can. I might just kind of have to stay statuesque. That's really hard for me to do. Okay, but we are called to be a reconcilers, and we're called to proclaim the ministry of reconciliation that Christ came to bring. Verse 19, That uh, that is... in. Um, That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. Do you realize what that means? That means you and I are no longer residents here in this place. We represent a king. We represent him in this world. We no longer represent our own agenda, but we represent the agenda of the king. That's what ambassadors do, right? Right? If you think about the ambassadors for the USA and maybe like China or somewhere like that, what do they do? They represent USA and all that it stands for. They're supposed to say what the United States would say and value. And so what does that mean for us? as representatives as ambassadors for christ we are called to represent christ here in this place we are called to be the embodiment of christ here in this place he left right and he said hey it's good that i leave do you remember that he said it's good that i leave because i'm going to send a comforter to you and hey yeah he comforts us but what else does he help us do he helps us to go doesn't he He helps us to go out in this world and flesh out that mission of being ambassadors for Christ. So there's your extra 10 minutes that you have tacked onto the sermon that I will not count against uh, my sermon. So the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of Christ. We we, we see, I wanna draw this back to the very beginning because everything that happens with the 72 and what Jesus is about to call them to has to do with the kingdom of christ it has to do with his kingdom so adam and eve back in the garden back in the day right god created them he breathed his life into them he breathed his spirit into them he is the owner over them and he gives them everything and the only thing he says that they can't do and i'm not teaching you anything you don't know here right the only thing they can't do is eat of this tree right It's the only thing they can't do. They can do everything else that they want to do. And God has blessed them beyond what we could ever fathom. And then the the snake comes slithering in, right, to the garden. And he starts talking to Eve. And he starts telling Eve, hey, I think there's a better way than what God provided, right? There's a better way than what God provided. And the moment that Adam and Eve snatched that fruit and ate that fruit, they made it about their kingdom, you see where I'm going with that? Because, because what you're going to see here in the text in Luke chapter 10, and, and you can see it already. I'll go ahead and point it out in verse 9. And we're just going to tackle verses 1 through 4 today, so rest easy, okay? I know you're breathing heavy there. Uh, but verse 9, heal the, sick, uh, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. He is sending these 72 out into the world to proclaim his reign and his rule over the hearts of men he's gaining back his territory my friends and he's doing it through you and through me and if we're going to do that well then we've got to know the instructions from the Lord amen and that's what he gives us here in verses 1 through 4 and following but we're only going to tackle verses 1 through 4 today so I want you to keep this dynamic that this is about the kingdom of God in him reclaiming his territory and he's doing it in individual hearts okay I can't stress that enough he's not doing that through through organizations he uses organizations okay I'm not saying that but individual hearts one heart at a time because organizations don't save people Christ saves individuals amen so we can be all about organizations all day long. I think, And I, the reason I'm harping on that is because I think that we love to jump on the bandwagon of certain movements and things like that, Like that, right? We get excited, right? We get all hyped up when someone's doing something new and exciting and crazy, right? I mean, one that I can give you an example, and I don't throw any shade on this because I love them to, to death, but Operation Saving Life. We love the, the idea of jumping in and jumping on board and getting, in, uh, getting our hands dirty and trying to help women who are confused about, should I keep this child or not, right? And so that's just one example of sometimes how we jump onto something and we say, man, this is, this is going to win the day. And it's like, no, 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 at the end of the day, God's kingdom, this is, this is the reason I'm saying all of this, okay? I want this to seep down deep into your hearts, God's kingdom is about winning one soul at a time for his glory, his sovereign reign and control over one heart at a time. And that is represented through the local church, through through a collection of people coming together and doing what what we just did today under under the leadership of my brother Ryan here, to worship and to praise his name, which is his rightful due. And so the mission, all of this, Luke, Luke 10, uh, Luke 9, and you can flip your Bibles back over there. Luke 9 at the the beginning, and I'm not going to read it, but right there at the beginning, when he sends out the 12, this is all about claiming back his territory and taking it back to be his own. Now, one last thing I'll say about this, and then we'll read um, Luke 10, 1 through 4 here, just for today. But one other thing I'll say is this is a descriptive text okay and I don't know if you know the difference and maybe you do because m- many of you are Bible scholars in here I see it uh, all the time when I'm having conversations I'll start talking about stuff and you're just like yeah I already know that it's like oh, okay well you know maybe maybe I need to know uh, um, but the descriptive versus prescriptive text what does that mean it basically just means that this is a story this is a narrative this is this is sharing an account about what Jesus told his disciples uh, this is not like when you go to the epistles and there's commands and there's, hey, do this, don't do that, okay? Uh, walk by the spirit and not by the flesh, okay? That is a prescriptive text. We are called, we're prescribed to do that, okay? Here in this text, what we're going to do today is we're going to explore Jesus' instructions to his disciples and take notes from it because we can still learn from a descriptive text describing his instructions, We can take implications from it for our walk in our life, and we should. That's how we should always read the Bible, by the way. Even those descriptive texts, right? Because, look, I mean, and and we know that exists because if you go back to um, the Old Testament and the Mosaic Law, you're not going to, you know, read about the sacrifices of the Lamb and, and start thinking that you need to go, you know, sacrifice a lamb in your backyard that's a that's a descriptive text right and so again we don't want to confuse the two so we're all about the kingdom here we're all about the kingdom and we're going to learn some uh descriptive we're gonna make some observations from this descriptive text about uh the kingdom characteristics that we're called to so let's read in verses one through four I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Now, if Jesus was a recruiter, okay, it probably wouldn't have been great uh, for him, okay? So, because after we read that, You know, there's not a lot there that's saying benefits, perks. I'm really, I'm getting real excited, Jesus, about what you're telling me. Uh, You know, no, it's, uh, you know, uh, don't carry your money bag with you. Uh, Hey, the knapsack so you can slip. Nope, don't do it. Uh, No sandals, that means extra sandals, and we'll get there. But, uh, you know, may have not been the best recruitment uh, program if he was a recruiter today. But before we dive into these instructions, I wanna real quickly look at these 72. Um, he introduces um, these 72 disciples. And and one thing we need to know is that these are in addition, by the way, these don't include the uh, 12 apostles. You'll see that after this, the Lord appointed 72. What does that word say? Others, right? Others, These these are in addition. And this is exciting because this tells us at least that the apostles, the 12, right? That their mission was somewhat successful right? They had gone out, Jesus had sent them out, and they had made disciples. Their, their ministry uh, produced a certain amount of fruit. And so Jesus, when he told them that if they would pray for the harvest, uh, he wasn't kidding. He wasn't lying. And uh, his promise was true, that if they went out into the field, that, there were, that, that the harvest was ripe and plentiful uh, for harvest. Um. So one thing to note here, there there is a debate, and if any of you have the NIV, do any of you have the new uh, international version? Your your version may say, I looked this up, it may say 70 instead of 72. I don't want you to to lose your your head over it, okay? Um, Basically, there is somewhat of a debate over, was it 70, was it 72? Um, For me uh, in particular, And when I look at this passage in the ESV, it says 72. And I'd like to go with 72 uh, because of, if you were to flip back to Numbers, we're not going to do that today. That'd take way too long. But if you go back to Numbers, Moses is having a lot of difficulty, right, with the people of Israel. Uh, Anybody identify with that? You've read your Bibles. Uh, He had just a little bit of difficulty with them, didn't he? just, uh, Just a few troubles in his days. And so he's having some real serious talks with the Lord, and he says, I need some help here this is this is getting out of hand and so we see in numbers 11 that god is going to bless him with 70 70 elders to help him in his ministry and so and again you can flip back there and see that and so you're like well colton you just said you're cool with 72 what's going on here well it's funny because in that text and i love it's one of my favorite uh, places to go in the old testament um but what happens is, is these 70, they come and they meet. They're, they're supposed to, they're designated to come. They're supposed to meet with all the congregation or with Moses, right? They're gonna have this elders meeting. And uh, so that happened before, you know, modern day church. Pretty cool. And uh, so they come, the 70, and they're prophesying to the Lord. It's a really neat experience. But then something weird happens. There's two others that are left back in the camp and they don't come to meet with the, the, the elders meeting, right? But they do the exact same thing that the 70 do. They start prophesying, uh, and they start prophesying as well. And that's the coolest names ever, by the way, in the Bible. Eldad and Medad, okay? So Eldad and Medad start prophesying in the camp. They're not a part of this elders meeting. And people get kind of jazzed up about that. They run to Moses and they're like, hey, they shouldn't be doing this. And Moses is like, hey, look, don't be jealous for me. If they're prophesying and the Holy Spirit's on them, let them do it. And so there were actually 72. And so often what Jesus, I feel like what Jesus does in his ministry, we see it in the gospel all the time, he emulates and I think really fulfills uh, the Old Testament model. And so here I think that he is fulfilling this by sending out the 72. Um, If you just like 70, uh, you know, it's not going to uh, spoil my lunch today. And so if you just want to say 70, that's okay. Uh, I'm sticking with 72 and really at the end of the day when we get to heaven we can ask the Lord Um, so why does he send them out two by two it increases their effectiveness you can look at Ecclesiastes 4 9 through 10 Uh, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil for if they fall one will lift up his fellow Uh, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up so it's good Jesus' model is good. Hey, don't be a lone ranger, okay? All right, take your model from Jesus. Go with a, go with a brother, go with a sister. Don't, don't go on the road of, missionary, uh, of mission and to witness in your community by yourself, okay? That's always just a good rule of thumb. Now, if you're the only one, uh, you know, I'm thinking about the person in you know, tribal Africa and you gotta do it alone, Know that you got jesus on your side okay but but i think we have an advantage here to go with two and this is uh wisdom from ecclesiastes it also fulfills the old testament called to have two witnesses uh in deuteronomy 19 15 it says this a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime uh, or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed only on the evidence of two witnesses Uh, or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. So it was common knowledge amongst the Jews, amongst the Israelites, that if you wanted to establish the truth of a claim, then you had to have two witnesses at least. And so how much stronger is the witness when two go and two say, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that Jesus, this new kingdom thing is real and you have someone to back you up. And come alongside of you and to say hey i agree i agree with that and then lastly it's really neat because um he jesus sends them ahead of him did jesus need to do that no he's jesus he's god the son right he doesn't need anybody to help him to to you know to soften the soil as it were right but but he sends them ahead he's teaching them he's training them hey it might take more than one pass before someone is convinced to come to christ Okay, hey, don't, don't get discouraged if you're going out and you're trying your very best to be a witness for the Lord and your first pass doesn't work. Okay, don't, don't, don't go running home and, and weep into your pillow and say, it's all for naught and, and I just need to end now. Lord, take me home. No, no, it's, it's okay. It's okay. We, we, we need to be okay. We, as a, as a people of the Lord, need to be okay with rejection. Okay, we've got to be okay with that. Can we just be okay with that? That we're kind of weird, right? Christians are a little weird and we're supposed to be. I, I hate to burst that bubble for you. You're not going to be cool, okay? You're just not. You're not going to fit in with the in crowd. You shouldn't. You should look like Christ and you're gonna say weird things. Remember when Jesus had that conversation with the big crowd and he said, hey, by the way, if you wanna follow me, you're probably, not probably, he says, you're gonna to have to you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood. You know, when you have that moment, you're about to say something difficult and it's like, uh, uh, do I really wanna say this? I don't think Jesus had that moment, but man, I know I would if I was about to say that, right? And that's weird. Can we just acknowledge that? And so, so be okay when you go out and you launch out into the mission field that your first pass may not be successful. I can't tell you how important that point is because I think one of the main reasons we don't go out and we don't follow this kingdom agenda is because we are terrified that when I say, hey, do you know about Jesus? And they're like, no, and I don't want to. Okay, see you later, bye. And I go weep in a corner. It's like, no, it, we don't have to do that please brothers and sisters it is high time that the the church of christ grow a backbone and say it's okay to 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 have no thrown in our face every now and then so jesus sends them ahead to to prepare the way for every city that he will go into through jesus's list of instructions we can gain insight into the nature of kingdom work and how the priority to go should be lived out and i want to just say this real quickly in in three points here we must cultivate the same heart uh, for the loss that jesus had we must have uh, if you're taking notes by the way these these are the three main points we must cultivate the same heart for the loss that jesus had we must have bold faith in the midst of opposition and persecution we must trust god to supply what we need along the way And so if we look back here, you'll see the first point kind of derives from uh, verse 2 here. If we are going to go, we must cultivate the same heart for the lost that Jesus had. And you'll see that. Let's go back to verse 2 and read that real quick again. And we love this verse. We love it. But I think sometimes we misunderstand it. It says this, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So first off, I think it's really encouraging that back in their day, when the population of the world was smaller, still the harvest was ripe and plentiful. That means that in the world, I I take that the harvest to mean that in the world, there are people waiting and potentially ready to receive the gospel when we take boldness and go and proclaim the gospel to them that they will respond positively. That's the harvest that is waiting. There are people outside our doors right here, right now, who are not in this parking lot or not in another church's parking lot, not in LifePoint's parking lot, and they are sitting at home, just thinking that they are okay, that everything is fine, and they are waiting. They are waiting to hear the gospel news, my brothers and sisters. And and let me just say this, they are dying to hear it. Did you hear that? Because without the knowledge of Christ, they will die, not just physically, but eternally. And so we have to go. The harvest is plentiful, Jesus says. But what i what i want you to capture here is the compassion for the lost you caught that a little bit in what i was saying right there the compassion for the lost that jesus has in this statement that's tucked in to this statement and we see that in matthew 9 36 through 38 don't even go there just listen to me uh, read it out because it's pretty much the same but we see the source of where this statement comes from because we love this statement but where does it come from Matthew 9, 36 through 38, which is also when he was sending out the 12, accounted in Matthew. Hear this in verse 36: When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. The heart of Christ. Heart of Christ. Think about that. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Our Lord Jesus was brokenhearted at those people I was just talking about who are, who are living their lives and committed to their ways. And they don't get to to sit in this place you get to sit here i get to sit here and we get to rejoice about the new identity that we have in christ and they don't because they don't know jesus and jesus's heart my friends be encouraged by this his heart is broken for the lost is your heart and my heart broken for the lost? this word compassion and i'm not going to try to say that greek word because it's crazy long But compassion, in the Greek, it means this, to be filled with tenderness. I love this because sometimes I think that we view Jesus as ready to bring down the hammer on our lives. We don't get grace very well as Americans. And and this word, this word tenderness, he has tenderness. You just heard kelsey read today from romans 8 1 that there's no condemnation for those who are now in christ jesus he brings tenderness and will he bring uh uh discipline well if you want to go read revelation yeah he will on on, but who's that on that's on the church for not acting like they should that's not on the lost he has tenderness for the lost he has pity that that word also means to have pity or to feel sympathy we see in other passages, Matthew 14, 14, Jesus had compassion on the crowds. And again, it's kind of repeated in Matthew 15, 32, Jesus had compassion uh, on the hungry crowds. Uh, and then we see in Luke seven thirteen, uh, Jesus had compassion on the widow uh, whose son had passed. He has compassion. And, and it literally, those verses, I'm not gonna read them, but those verses literally state that he was filled with compassion in those moments okay and so we have a compassionate lord and i love this it's backed up by this not only does he have compassion this is the source of where it comes from but then he invites the 72 and by extension here's the descriptive coming to prescriptive for us today the observation he invites the 72 to pray earnestly for the lost that 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 laborers would be sent into the field because there's not enough there's so many out there who need to know christ and, and who would potentially respond to the gospel jesus is saying please join me pray for more workers to be launched into the field to be thrust into the field for the sake of those who are dying and going to hell without christ this word earnestness and man y'all are going to love this i got this from uh, google this uh definition and then I also did dictionary.com. I really don't like doing that, but there really wasn't a lot of notes on Luke 10, by the way. So if anyone's looking to write a commentary, that's, uh, that's a good one. Anyway, so earnestness, resulting from or showing sincere and intense conviction. So, so for us, are our prayers defined? And, I'm, and this is not an accusation towards you. It's a challenge for me and you, because I don't want to assume I don't go to your homes and monitor your prayer life, nor should I. And I praise God, you don't do that for me. Right? But I want to ask this question. Are our lives, is our prayer life marked by an earnestness? That word listen to this definition again. I love this. Resulting from or showing sincere, genuine, heartfelt, I mean it when I say it, an intense conviction. Are we so broken up like Jesus over the lost that we're fretting? I mean, when's the last time I wept for the lost? When's the last time you wept for the lost? It's high time that the church of God surround this commandment given to these 72, this instruction that they pray, that they pray that laborers would be launched into the field so people wouldn't perish without hope. And I pray today that we would take on a seriousness and an earnestness when we approach the Lord in prayer. I Also love that Jesus uh, notes that it's the Lord's harvest. That should encourage you. He's in control of it, he's over it. And if you want a good uh, note for that, if you're taking notes, 2 Peter 3, eight through nine, we don't have time to look at it. But I think uh, if you're a Bible scholar out there, you'll know what that is. Um, when he talks about he's waiting, he's holding back that the full number of disciples would come in. I'm sorry, my voice is kind of going in and out, guys. Just a few notes here. If we want to develop a heart of compassion, because now you might be thinking, well, I feel really hopeless because I don't feel like I have a lot of compassion for the lost, Colton. It's okay. Like if you, Well, it's not okay. But if, if, you have to, if you have to admit that, that's okay. Admit it, okay? Because guess what? I'm there with you. I'm there with you. I get so distracted that I don't always have a cultivated heart for the lost. And I'm reading a book right now because I'm trying to do everything I can to kick myself in the pants, to get outside of these walls. Because I, look, I love believers. I'm, I'm, I'm right there at the top of the list of loving my brothers and sisters in Christ. But every now and then, right? Every now and then, you know, have you ever been in your house too long with a sibling? And it's like, please, for the love of God, get me out of this house, Right? And it's like, you know, every now and then, can we just admit and be comfortable in the room today that we get a little like, Lord, please get me away from these people for a little while, okay? And, and here's the thing, the perfect way to do that is to go and rub shoulders with, with lost people, okay? Go and rub shoulders with them. So how do we cultivate uh, this heart for the lost? We rehearse the gospel. We rehearse the gospel. Look, you're never gonna tell anyone about something that you don't believe is very good right? And so, and you're not going to pray, right? You're not going to pray about something that you don't believe is very good, right? And so you got to, you got to rehearse the gospel to yourself. That's why we, that's why we read scripture. Look, the whole Bible is about Jesus coming back to reclaim what was his, that was lost. It's all about grace, right? And is there judgment in there? Yes, there is because sin exists, but he's coming for his people, like I said in the beginning. So rehearse the gospel to yourself, how good it is, And i don't have time to talk about it i mean that's a whole like sermon series right there how good the gospel is how good christ is that he redeemed sinners we didn't deserve it he died in our place how amazing excuse me consider the state of the lost okay we did that a little bit so i'm gonna i'm gonna fast track that one consider the state of the lost developing a heart of compassion pray for the lost to come to christ The lord's instructions pray for the lost to come to christ also this second point here if we are going to go we must have bold faith that does not shrink back in the face of opposition jesus i I really find this interesting he uses this word here um, to introduce this well he says go your way which he's just telling them go go and do this mission and he says behold Now you think he would have said behold when he was saying like, hey, pray for them. Like that's a really important point, right? And I find it interesting that he says behold, before he's about to say this, behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. So this is really important. The word behold here, it kind of draws in and emphasizes what's about to be said. Sometimes it'll introduce a new idea, but much more so I think in this context, it's a prompter to say, hey, pay close attention to what I'm about to tell you. So if we're gonna be effective kingdom disciples and we're gonna have these these attitudes or these characteristics of the kingdom, we have to realize and and let it sink in deep into our hearts, kind of what I said earlier too, that as we go, we will be opposed. You and I will be opposed. And again, I just wanna say to that, can can we just wrestle with that point and be okay with that? because we will be and who are these wolves that jesus is talking about Uh, in matthew 10 right after he had given the commission to the 12 to go he tells them this later he says behold i'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves beware of men for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, to uh, uh, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. And then he goes on to talk about how even father will uh, be against son and how son will be against son and family members. Uh, really, you get the gist there. So these wolves really are at every level of our society. Uh, they're in the courts, right? He says, they'll drag you before courts. They'll drag you before kings for us governors. I, you know, and I think it said governors there. Uh, that's where they're gonna drag us. It's, and here's the thing, the wolves are those in the world who are defined by the worldly principalities. Okay, so, so I want you to see this as warfare. I want you to start viewing this as warfare. This isn't just, we're, we're, you know, what we're living here as believers, as followers of Christ. This isn't just um, kind of a fun, you know, hey, God saved me. Now I can do my best life now kind of thing. And, and me and Jesus, woohoo, you know, it's, it's not that. This is warfare. And listen, listen in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Hear this. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked now we once walked in it but i want you to see how the world continues to walk right because this is a statement also on how the world acts even now following the course of this world that's where the world's at right now they're still following the course of the desires and the motives and the values of this world we see it all around us don't we and man is it not just being thrust in our faces even more Is it not coming into our court even more i mean i can't watch a youtube video with my kids about you know uh, a fluffy bunny or whatever we're watching uh, on youtube at that moment and then a, a commercial will come up and it'll be advertising something crazy something i don't want my children to see something even if i was going to meet someone who had different values than me and try to evangelize those lost people, I'd be like, hey, you need to make sure there's more clothing happening, okay, before we have this conversation. It's that kind of stuff that pops up in your YouTube channel. I know I'm not alone here, right? And it's just like, whoa. Or the suggestions that happen and I'm like, where is this coming from? And it's coming from the course of this world. We see it all the time. And so you're getting an idea here. If that's the course of the world, if that's the agenda of the world, then we are going to be opposed when we come to the world and we proclaim a glorious gospel that says, hey, you're a sinner in need of grace. It's okay, I'm a sinner too. I was a sinner, I needed Christ, I needed grace. And this is not foreign because Jesus says in John 15, 18 through 20, and I I don't have it quoted here, you can look it up later, but basically he's saying that if I'm the master, right? I'm your master. And you're not, you're not greater than your master. And if they hated me, hey, they're going to hate you too. And he wasn't saying that like, you know, hey, they're going to hate you. You know, was, they're going to hate you too. Be ready, be prepared. And that's the whole point of this. Be ready, be prepared. When you get serious about kingdom proclamation, you will have the world oppose you. They will not like your message, but we don't do it for that. We do it for the, that ripe harvest. Those people out there who are waiting to hear the gospel amen so in the face of this persecution we have um, an opposition that will inevitably come we are called to remain faithful to trust the Lord okay Hebrews um, 10 35 through 39 therefore uh, do not throw away your uh, confidence which uh, has a great reward for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God you may receive what is promised for yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. Uh, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and, uh, and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and persevere uh, and preserve their souls. So we don't shrink back, my brothers. We have faith. We follow the Lord in faith last point here is just simply if we are going to go we must learn to trust the lord to provide what we need along the way we've got to trust the lord and it's hard to see in this verse four here but verse four carry no money bag no knapsack no sandals and greet no one along the road failure to launch often occurs due to over planning not from lack of planning you get that isn't that your experience a lot? That I'm, I'm, I'm so afraid to launch out yet because I didn't think about that one little minutiae variable that might happen. It could happen, there could be this leak and it could just make everything go crazy. And oh my goodness, and I just, I'm not gonna do the trip anymore. I'm not gonna do the thing anymore. You know, the printer might break down at the last minute and I won't have my notes and I can't, I just can't do it. I just won't do it, right? We get so frantic, don't we? Failure, failure to launch is, it often occurs due to over-planning not from lack of planning. Okay. And here's the thing. I think the heart of what Jesus is saying here is, look, I'm sending you out and you need to trust me. You need to trust me that I'm going to provide for you. So don't take a money bag. Don't take a knapsack with you. I'm going to provide your lodging. I'm gonna, don't, don't overthink this. Okay. I'm, I'm, I've got you. I'm going to be with you and, and we're going to see this as I, I think probably Shelby will come next uh, Sunday and preach the second half of this. Um, but he's with us and he's going to be with me and you as we go out. And, and, and look, here's the question. The question I have, the question's probably on your mind. Colton, does that mean that like, you know, I need to like leave my money bag at home, my purse, my, you know, my wallet? when I go out on mission, like every time, like this is like, remember, descriptive text, not prescriptive, okay? Uh, what we're saying here is, is the priority of Kingdom Agenda, that we don't allow these, these little details in our lives to get in the way of us opening our doors and taking the step out, right? This is us, I think, in these days. I'm demonstrating, I think, where we're at right now. you know, Taking a step out into the mission field and saying, hey, I'm here. i love jesus and i'd I'd love for you to know about christ right and so we can't let all of the planning all of the 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 doubts and the thoughts about well what could happen well what if they throw out you know uh infralaxarianism and i i can't i can't answer that question it's like look they probably don't have never heard that term in their lives i'm sure some of you just heard that for the very first time right and so you, you don't have to worry about every single little variable God has called you to launch out and to go if you trust him. And he'll have you in his hands. Do you trust that? Do you believe that? I hope you do. I hope I do. Because that means that we can go. We're free to go. God has unleashed us to go. And in fact, if he's going to provide for us, we don't have to worry about those extra provisions. Now, you know, mission leaders in the, in the house look, I'm not telling you to not plan. Okay. So please don't hear me say that. I, I want to make sure that the, the plane tickets are purchased. Okay. When we get to the airport, that would be really bad if we get there. And it's like, well, Colton, you told me not to plan. So I'm just, I, I didn't do anything. You know, it's like, no, 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 of course we need to, we need to make plans, but, but we don't need to let them get in the way of us fulfilling the mission of Christ. You know, we were talking as a staff, I'll give you a little insight to our staff and then I'm, I'm going to pray and we'll be done. We were talking as a staff and we you know we we got this building project coming up we're excited i'm excited we got this building project coming up soon uh next year and we were talking about just being good stewards of our finances and you know it's just sometimes you just have a spirit of the lord moment right i I don't i don't credit me with this i'm just like i was just sitting there and you get a little disturbed in your soul and it's just like man i'm just gonna say this because it just needs to be said i'm like how much money does it take for us to strap up our boots and go across the street and start teaching people about Jesus, like like how much money is that going to take? You know, and 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 no one was against me on that, by the way. But it just it just revved up in my soul, and I was just like, does it really take that much? Like let's 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 pull out a calculator. Let, let's start calculating here. You know, like yeah, socks and shoes and and. A paper Bible, you know, I think I've, I've gotten some sometimes for like, I don't know, 20 bucks, you know, like one of those thin streamlined Bibles, right? At the conference, I got one for 10, you know. Uh, you know, yeah, make sure you have a shirt. You don't want to freak people out, right? And, and you go. It doesn't cost a lot, does it? And so, again, let us trust the Lord that he will provide as we go out and we launch into mission. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we love you. And uh, it has just been my soul's delight to preach your word, but also my desire that I would represent it well. So Lord, I pray that you would take now what's been said and God, it would, it would delight your soul. And uh, God, it would encourage those in the congregation today and Lord, that we would be better for it. God, I pray that you would launch us out. Lord, I, I pray right now, as earnestly as I can muster in this moment, the Lord, there are people that are not celebrating you right now, Jesus. They are in our community and they are not celebrating you. And they don't, they, they don't have to give an excuse because maybe they've never heard. Maybe they've never heard the gospel. And I pray, oh God, I plead with you right now in this moment that you would move our hearts to be like this 72. God, they, they were, they were the, the bold ones, Lord. God, we had just heard last Sunday about those who were not willing to follow Christ because they were waiting for a paycheck or comforts. And Lord, these were the ones that were willing. And so God, I pray that you would stir up our hearts and we would be like these 72 and that we would go Lord, and would you send laborers into your field? God is ripe for harvest. Lord, I just, I don't wanna let that point go. Lord Jesus, I don't want it to be on me that one person didn't experience heaven because of my lack of witnessing. Lord, I don't want it to be on my brothers and sisters that, that that, that someone around them missed heaven because of our lack of witnessing, our lack of just singing your praises to them. Lord, would you please, please, would you send out laborers into your field? Please, God, would you turn, turn around this, the state of this church? Not just this church, I mean the church at large. God, I think we're, we're, we're fighting an uphill battle, God. And it's not because of the culture, it's because of us. Lord, we have failed to take up our responsibility. And God, I plead with you. Would you forgive us? Would you forgive me, Lord? When I pass up witnessing opportunities, Lord, would you help me? We love you, Lord Jesus, and I thank you for this sweet church. And I pray that you would help us to launch out from this place, ready to worship you and to exalt your name among the nations. It's in your heavenly name I pray all these things. Amen.